Hey, good morning, Cornerstone. You see this band back here, Desmond and alumni? Let's give it up for them. Woo! Yes. I don't have a music bone in my body, all right? When I was here, I played uh, intercollegiate basketball and softball. Yeah. Um, and I love musicians because God did not give me that gift, but he sure did you all, all right? All right. Let me first of all just say, my name is Cheryl Steele Tinsley. Um, I am an alumnus, and I want to say to you that I was thinking about this and praying, this lady has come 550 miles down in southeast Kentucky. I'm about an hour from Knoxville, Tennessee. Do you hear that little accent? Okay. Um, and I've come to speak to you today. Okay. So I want to, you to look at your neighbor and say, God's got something good for me. Oh, that, yeah. That's weak. Let's go to the other side. God's got something good for me. Amen. That's right. Okay, now, will you do me a favor, because I always like to start off this way. Will you close your eyes and breathe in and breathe out? Do it one more time. Some of y'all need it. Breathe in and breathe out. Everybody look at me. You got a lot to be grateful for. Look at this chapel. It's beautiful. Like Tina said, we sat in a gym, but you know what? God has graced this, this university. And it was weird. 40, little, about 40 years ago, do you know about four days from today, there was a little 19-year-old girl named Cheryl Steele that went in that little gym. And I'm going to tell you a true story today, and I hope you'll listen. Because I'm telling you that God has something good for you, every one of you. Because I'm here for such a time as this. I met uh, Tate, and I met Pastor T, and over here, where's Tim at? Tim, I mean, right here. And then Mark, where are you at, Mark? All right, and here's my gator right there, all right? Um, Tim Beals did my book, and I started, what happened is, I came here and was in teacher education, okay? Now, there's a guy named Doug Miller, and Doug's here today. I've got two things that are in my heart. One is Cornerstone University, because like Tina said, it shaped me. Gator, raise your hand. I know you don't want to stand up. This guy right here poured into me when I was a frail girl, broken, had went through the most traumatic thing in my life, and he took me under his wing. We played basketball but he made sure I was all right. And Dr. Wilbur Welch, who was the chancellor at that time, you see, I had just made the papers all the way from California to Europe on what I'm going to tell you today, and I had phone calls from all over. And here was a 19-year-old girl that now is standing before you about 40 years later, and I want to tell you something God, and I'm talking to alumni, if you have breath, God still has stuff for you. God knows your heart. God knows your storms. And God knows you're here today. You just breathed in, right? Are you grateful? You got up and you dressed yourself. And hopefully you took a shower, okay? All right? All right? And you came here to this chapel. And I want you right now not to think this is a regular chapel because I'm not a pastor. I am a retired teacher as of five weeks ago after 30 years. Yes. 
High school, I taught high school social studies in a public school, and I have told my story because God gave it in it over to 5,000 people, and that would be young people plus about 10,000 more besides that, okay? So I want to tell you this story today, all right? So if you go to the first slide right there. All right, these people right here are the people I'm going to talk to. Sally Kuhn, I just talked to her dad, 91 years old, on the way up here, and he said, Cheryl, you tell him about the Lord. Sally, at that time, was 22 years old. She lived in Keithley. And yes, yeah, I haven't been to Keithley. I got to get over there, all right? Okay, I guess it's a guys and girls dorm, right? Yeah. Woo, all right. <laughs> Y'all stay on your side now, you know. All right, so Sally works with me at Lake Ann. Okay, this was in the 1980s, okay? She had just got her life together. And she came here, and she went to school for a year, and I got to know Sally, because I worked, I was at uh, Pickett. Pickett still, is that right? Yeah. Woo! Powder puff, all right? I don't play, but I'll cheer you on, all right, this afternoon, all right? Okay, I don't know the green. I didn't wear it. I stayed neutral, all right, okay? Um, but I love the Cornerstone University colors. And then, of course, that's me down there. Up at the top on the right, where's Jim at? Jim, where are you at? Jim just told me a story today to bless my heart. This is Dwight Hirschberger. Dwight and I worked a year before at Lake Ann Camp. How many of you know Lake Ann or you've worked? Thank you. Woo! And I want to encourage you. Doug Miller's here today. If you're looking for a summer job, it won't get you rich, but it will do riches in the kingdom, and it will strengthen your faith. You see Doug Miller afterwards because Lake Ann changed my life. Cornerstone University and that guy right there changed my life. Okay, because there's connection here. And I know some of you are thinking about colleges. Pray for it, because I tell you what, if you don't have connection, and these two young ladies over here, Sandy Dalhaga and Julie is right here. We played ball together, and they were my roommates after this, and we're friends 40 years later. Unreal, okay? Best friends. Okay, so I'm gonna get on with the story. And then Mark Tobby here, Mark had just graduated from Jackson Christian Schools. He was almost 18 when he came to work at Lake Ann. I'm going to make this fast so I can tell you a little bit. Um, I can't tell you the whole story. God has just taken this off. Um, and as you go through, you'll see. This is a true story. And I want to tell you something. God gave me a really fun sense of humor. Okay? So don't think I'm porcelain or anything like that. You know, I'm as real as they come with you. I sat where you all are at. I loved when alumni was here. Does it still work this way? Y'all get better food? Is that it? And when they walk by, you're like, stay as long as you want, all right, okay? Because we get steak, we get, you know, shrimp, we get the real stuff, all right, okay? So it is still the same, okay, that's funny. All right, so Sally, Dwight, Mark, and myself, we were found ourselves working in 1980 at Lake Ann Camp, which is about 12 miles south of Traverse City, absolutely beautiful. We have about 300 acres there. Last year we had 3,800 kids that came and we had many, and I'm thinking it was around 400 and something that accepted the Lord as their savior. You can do kingdom work, amen. All right, so here we are at Lake Ann, and at that time we had a wilderness program. So this did not happen on the campus of Lake Ann. 
How many of you have ever been across the UP in Mackinac, okay, have you been there? And you go to the right and you go an hour to Drummond Island. How many of you have ever been there? Okay. Now, how many of you are from Michigan? <coughs> how many ever stepped in the Great Lakes? Excuse me. Can you go to the next slide? <coughs> As I hack along here, sorry. <coughs> okay. So, it was just, pray for my voice. <coughs> it just went down the wrong pipe. It was July the 3rd, and we had a week where camp was down. Okay, and here's what happened. We had a group from Lapeer, and what we did is like if you came to our camp and you said, say you had a youth group, and you say, hey, Dwight and Cheryl, I want you to take us on a bike trip, or I want you to take us to a river rafting trip on the Pine River, or let's go to Drummond and let's canoe around. And see, we didn't have phones like you all have today. Okay, and so what happened is we would take your group and we would go up and do these week-long trips and we'd get you into nature because God can work tremendous things when you're out of your comfort zone, okay? And so we did that. I worked the year before with Dwight, came back the next year, and we had Mark and then Sally was a counselor. Now, there was a group from Lapeer that could not come because the pastors the next week, there was 42 of them. The pastor, what happened is, um, his his uh, youngest brother was killed. And so here we find that we have a week to expand our trip. So we ended up in Drummond. Okay, you see the lakes. Go to the next one, okay? So you go across. I'm from the Detroit area, and I had never been to such a pretty place, okay? I'd seen it. The guys had belayed and repelled, but we had such a big group, and we did canoeing. Now, there's an inlet lakes, okay? Now, if you look, there's a bridge that goes across. That's Drummond. Go up, take a right, and you're there. Now, do you see that little island next to it? What's underneath Cockburn Island? Can you tell me? What does that mean? O-N-T. Canada. Canada. We're in international waters. And you can see up top it says the North Channel. So to make the story consolidated, we went up there, drove up in a van, and we had two aluminum canoes. How many of you ever been in a canoe? Okay, I, I kayak, I don't have fear of the water or anything. We have a boat on Laurel Lake. And so we went up there and for that whole week, we took these canoes and we had little inlet lakes and we would portage for 100 yards and go to another inlet lake, okay? So now the whole week, we checked the weather. Now we don't have 24-hour weather like you have here, but we checked and there wasn't gonna be, it's, not a, it's supposed to be 85 and sunny that week, okay? So now I'm gonna take you to Thursday morning. We get to the place, and you see right there where Cockburn's at, at the top of the sea, go over to that little nub over at Drummond Island, and you're now at Marblehead. It's an absolutely beautiful island. What happened is we could not get to that other end of the lake, so we decided to go on the bay across right next to Drummond, right over to our next campsite, which would have been Friday, uh, Thursday night. We would have camped Friday morning. We would have got up, went into camp, and then went to chapel that night, okay? So take a look at that. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, so we're, we're going on that Thursday afternoon. We get started. We eat. We do some belaying and rappelling. We get on there, and we got two canoes. Remember this. And we start paddling right next to the shore. Right in front, right here with me, okay, I was, in, I was right here in the front. Mark was behind me. In the other canoe was Sally, and here back here was Dwight. And folks, it was gorgeous. 
we had just had our devotions, we were praying, we were singing, and over on the top of the North Point there, I saw this cloud. And I said to Mark, I said, where do you think that's at? And he said, oh, Cheryl, it's down on the North Channel. He said, no worries, we're going to make it to the campsite because it's only, you know, a few more miles to canoe. Well, let me tell you what happened, ladies and gentlemen. We started canoeing, that cloud moved. And when I say it moved, it moved. How many of you have put your finger or your feet or you have swam in any of the Great Lakes? Okay, tell me what you know about the Great Lakes. They're cold, frigid cold, right? Okay, um, you can't swim too long. If you know anything about hypothermia, you last three to five hours at a good time. Usually you're, you're, you're dead by five hours. Um, it's just normally 49 to 50 degree water. Okay, so here we are, and we see that cloud coming, and folks, boom, just like that, that cloud rolls in. It was buckets of sheets of water that just came down, and it came sideways. You ever got pelleted on the side? That hurts, okay? So we had a bucket, and we're like, oh, goodness gracious. We started paddling back to Trumman. We're pulling those. We're just doing the buckets. The boys are, are trying to paddle. We start paddling. Those sheets come in, and we know now we're going down. We can't do it. Okay. Now, it is raining, there is lightning, and what I want to tell you is that storm that night was a per or that afternoon was a perfect storm. That storm stayed in the North Channel between Drummond Island and Cockburn Island for nine hours. As we went down, we had those old orange live jackets. Remember that? They were good back then, and we had them on. I remember Dwight prayed, and he said, Lord, I didn't close my eyes. I was like, I'm sensing this puppy. I'm pulling it up. And Dwight said, Lord, please be with us. We're in dire straits. Help us. And as we went down, the only thing I remember hearing, besides the winds and the waves, was four young people that did this. <gasps> the water was 50 degrees, you all. And we went down, we had the life jackets on, not like the, the premier life jackets today. And we submerged in there. And the first thing you know we got to do is try to salvage one of those canoes. This storm now, I put this in uh, because to show you. When you take a canoe, we tried to get one of our canoes. By the way, our backpacks went flying. There were winds. And by the way, let me just tell you, there were three to six foot waves calfing in Lake Huron. And what happened is, how many of y'all have ever been to the beach? Okay. You know, like you're standing in sand, and all of a sudden, you're below your knees, and then it's up to here? That's the tide. That's the current. Our lakes, Lake Huron, is the fifth largest freshwater lake in the world, and so you've got that same thing. So here we are trying to go back to Drummond, and here's what happened. We took one of the canoes. Our cup, the paddles broke. We had one little paddle that already broke, and we had to run it up and try to flip it, and all of us get in and paddle back there. We took that canoe, and I can remember to this day, the winds and the waves were coming. We slid that canoe, and you all back about six rows. If I took a big toothpick and flipped it to you, they, the wind and the waves that day, took that 10-foot, 55-pound aluminum canoe, and I can still see it in my mind, it went hand over hand like a toothpick into the storm in Lake Huron. So here we are, four people, young people, and we tried to dog paddle back toward Drummond. 
that, you know, we're submerged in the water, that canoe oar is not working, okay? And as we tried to paddle, I'm not, we tried to paddle back toward Cockburn. As we tried to paddle, we probably did this for about, I guess, an hour, and we'd go nine feet, and it'd throw us back 10 feet. And we thought, we can't do this, okay? And so what we did now is we let the tide take us, and it was quite a few miles that's going to eventually put me toward Cockburn Island. Now, how long did I say that storm was in there? Okay. Every time you had waves, you had any lifeguards in here? You had to scissor kick up because you know you lose 70% of your body heat through here. So we were hanging on to this top of the, right inside the canoe, and every time we would kick up. Ladies and gentlemen, we did not not stop, or you would have froze to death. Silent killer would have got you. And so now we're drifting. I can't tell you the time, because at 10 to 2 that day, Dwight's watch stopped. Okay? And now it is nighttime. If you're doing the math, and we capsize about 2 o'clock, and the sun goes down a little after 9, then you know we've been in there now for seven hours. That storm would surge, and then it would go down. That storm would surge, and it would go down. Now, Sally, that I told you about, it's now dark, and you can go to the next one, Jonathan. And what we see on, Drummond, uh, on uh, Cockburn Island is a lighthouse, and it's flashing. At that time, every time I think of a lighthouse, I think of an old man in there, okay? Dwight turned to me because he was up on the right side of the canoe, and he said, Cheryl, when we get to Cockburn, go south. There's a town. There's a town. I said, okay, what, Dwight, we will. Time passes, and Sally, who was right here, you know, I had known from Cornerstone, I noticed she wasn't moving. The first stage of hypothermia is you, you chatter. The second stage is you stop chattering. All the internal, all the blood goes into your core. The third stage is you hallucinate. If I talk to you, like if I'm talking to Tina, she might say, hey, doesn't Myrtle Beach, doesn't the sand look good? And we're sitting right in, you know, in a, it's not even there. In her mind, she sees it. The fourth stage, they look at you, the pupils are dilated, and they go to sleep, okay? It's called the silent killer. Sally, let's go. And by the way, I need to tell you that we could barely see the North Star that night, okay? How many of you ever watch the old Scooby-Doo things? You know how you cut the fog? I love Scooby-Doo, all right? Uh, yeah, I'm a kid at heart. And so you know how they'll go, whoopee, you know, let's cut the fog, all right? One of those, all right? Um, that was like that. We couldn't see more than probably from here to you all right there in the first, okay, if that much, all right? Now it's probably around 11, 11.30. Sally, let's go. And I realized it, and I said, Mark, get her. Get her, Mark. And he started to swim toward her, and he was also stunned. Obviously, we all were being there that whole night, okay? And he started to swim toward her. And folks, we could not see. It was so dark. All we could see is barely this miles away. And she went away from the canoe. Mark could not find her, and we yelled, Sally, Sally, come back. And we didn't hear anything. And then maybe an hour or so later, not even that much, I noticed Dwight was not doing good, and I said to Mark, Mark, let's get him in the canoe. We got, Mark, we got Dwight into the canoe, and there was a little, um, the way that we had it at Lake Ann there, there was a little seat there in the middle. Mark and I went on the other side of each side of the canoe and stabilized it, because he was pretty muscular. He was about 6'2". And so what happened now is we're talking to him, and you remember now we're succumbing to the elements. A few minutes passed, I can't tell you how long, and here's what Dwight did. Dwight stood up, 
and he loved Myrtle Beach, and he dove to the left, and he swam away from us. Wherever he was at, he had a little bit of energy. And I yelled, Mark, grab him. I went over on the left side of the canoe. He kept swimming. Mark swam. I'm like, Dwight, come back. Come back. I hear splash. I hear Mark come back. He said, sure, I don't know where he's at. We're yelling, and we're hoping that they have made it. All right? And then here's what happened next, okay? A few, a few, I don't know how long, but I went to sleep, and the storm now is going down. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning. And Mark kicked, and when he kicked like that, he jerked the canoe, he took right in here, I reached over, I looked, his ear was in the water, blood coming off, and I knew I had to get him in the canoe. I grabbed Mark, I looked at my fingernails, what I could, they were totally white. I knew that I had slipped into the second stage of hypothermia because I was no longer chattering, okay? So I got Mark in the canoe, and if you can imagine this, now it's about 4 in the morning, 4.30. How many of you ever done all-nighters? Okay. You know how the sun comes up, and I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Drummond. I mean, I'm looking at Cockburn. I see it come up. So I need to tell you this, and this is the first thing I need to tell you. Do you think for one minute that we played with God out there? I went to this Christian school. I went to a high school. I implore you today, I did not know what was going to happen next. I thought Sally and Dwight might have got a fisherman. But I want to tell you, life is a vapor like it says in James. I beg you students, quit playing. I remember we had people on Saturdays that did things they shouldn't, and then they were like, mm, you know, the angels, when it came in on Monday morning, okay? God wants to have a relationship with you. Do you think you're here in Cornerstone by accident? No. God knew you were going to be here, and he loves you. And he loves you enough to die for you. So assure yourself of salvation. And you can talk to me or any of us afterwards. All right, now picture this. It's about 5 o'clock. I have Mark like this. I want to sit down. Is that okay? I'm straddling the canoe. And I don't know how it didn't turn over. I have him in my elbows. And I'm saying, Mark, we got to swim for it, buddy. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get out of here. He looks at me and I look down and his pupils are totally dilated. He's in the fourth stage of hypothermia. A few minutes later, Mark Tauby, right in the elbow of my arm, he, he stopped breathing. I gave him mouth to mouth because you can't do CPR on a surface that's going to take him down. And he gurgled. He breathed a couple more times. I knew the water was in his lungs, and he stopped breathing. I gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth again, and he never came back. Now, I need to tell you something. You don't know me, but I'm as real as they come. I remember, and when I speak, my students, their high school students say, well, Miss T, did you have any pee left? And I said, no, I didn't. I said, we like to pee when we're out in 50-degree water. It's the only warm stuff we had, you know? And I said, no. But when Mark Tobby took his last breath, folks, I did not see anything. But I felt Mark's soul in the middle of Lake Huron at 5 o'clock 
brush my chest and ascend to the Lord. And I remember looking up at that sky and I said, Lord Jesus, welcome him into your kingdom because he has just arrived in heaven. Now, if you're doing the math, I've been out in that water for 15 hours. It is, as, it is as calm. It's like you could ski on it. And now I see Cockburn and the sun's coming up. Go to the next one. I'm going to give you a chance to read this. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the front page of the Detroit Free Press three days later with a circulation of about a half a million. If you know now what happened, I was the only lone survivor. Dwight and Sally, they went home to be with the Lord shortly afterwards. And you'll have to read the book on how I was rescued. I'll plug the book. It's pretty good. The Holy Spirit uh, helped me write it, all right? And what I want to say to you is this. I decided right there, and I want to talk to you right now, and you listen to me. I teach young people. I know the anxiety and depression. Yesterday, one of my friends that teaches at Corbin High School, one of our students killed herself last night. And today, my high school has nine counselors there because this one was a star volleyball player, and Leah was an art one. And you could have knocked me over when Susan sent that to me. You listen to me. Anxiety and depression are real. Don't let anybody say they're not. Can God help you? Absolutely. But if you ever need help, you have to reach out. Over here is Pastor T. There is no shame in getting help. Do you hear me? There is no shame. But you've got to know something. There is a foundation. And if you have that relationship with God, that time in the boat, do you think I was alone? Absolutely not. I did not see anything, but I knew God was with me. And I started swimming, and I said, you know what? I'm not staying in this canoe and dying. I will either make it to Cockburn or I will die trying. Don't you give up. Do you hear me? Don't you give up because that is what I would call the evil one telling you, you ain't worth you know what. You don't believe it. Do you hear me? God knew you from the foundations. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't you give up. If you need help, I will be in the visitor center. You want to talk at 11 to 12 or actually student center, I think. I'll be there for two hours. Come see me. Folks, I have no idea what you're going through, but I'm telling you something. The Holy Spirit said to me, Cheryl, you tell those precious people that I love them. I don't care what you did yesterday or behind. You confess to God. You ask him to be so real. And now I'm going to fast forward. I'm rescued. You'll have to read that. I go to Munson Hospital. How many of you know that? I suffered from hypothermia and liver. I was an old lady. I had broken down muscle. I had went for 23 hours. Okay? Now, let me tell you. Please forgive me because I must say something in it. I'm sitting in the emergency room of Munson before I go back to Lake Ann to tell the, past, the, the counselors. 
Guys, we got people here this week that need to know Jesus. Girls, listen to me. I'm married now almost 35 years. I've just been through the most traumatic thing in my life and the most drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> oh, my God, he was hot, all right, okay? <laughs> Woo, baby. Ooh, la, la, baby, all right, okay? He walks into that emergency room. I'm like, woo, I'm alive, honey, all right? Like, come over here, Mr. Dreamy, all right? And he comes, and my mom's about over here where Gator's at. He gets it. I mean, guys, the hair is just flowing. He's got beautiful blue eyes. He's just going through there. And I thought, woo, the Lord made you perfect, Doc, all right, okay? And this is what he said, and forgive this first thing. He took that off there, that little uh, clipboard, and he said, what the? What the? He said a few things, okay? He said, are you kidding me? Cheryl, do you know you should have died three, year, three days ago? Do you know you're not supposed to be in Munson Hospital today? Do you know, lung lady, you're not even supposed to be breathing? And the scientific books will have a question mark next to your name. Well, if you know Mama Bear... How many of you are moms? It ain't looking too good for Dreamy. Because my mom's going to get up and God help Mr. Dreamy when she gets a hold of him. And about that time, I'll be honest with you. I thought, gosh, he's beautiful. But the elevator doesn't go to the top, okay? Just one of those. And my mom got up. My mom got up. And I thought to myself, Mr. Dreamy, you might see Jesus here in a minute, Okay. <laughs> Because mom ain't going to be happy with you. Because this is her little cub. And the tears started streaking down my eyes. And I want to tell you something. I looked at that doc and I said, Doc, no offense, but I'm sure glad you're not in charge. Well, you know, the nurses, they're like, heckling, you know. And you know what? To his, to his, his acceptance, he looked down with the beautiful blue eyes and patted me on the hand. And he said, Cheryl, honey... You are a miracle baby. You're not supposed to be here, and I apologize. I did not. And my mom sat down. And, uh, and I apologize. I did not mess you. I didn't want to mess you up. He says, but you have no idea. You're, you're not even 20. He says, you have no idea. You're not supposed to be here. And you know what? Somebody upstairs likes you. And I said to him, Doc, if you have a Bible. He said, I do. It's pretty dusty. I said, would you dust it off for me and read the Gospel of John, the third chapter? And you'll know why my friends are in the presence of Jesus and I'll see them one day. And he looked down in his beautiful eyes and he patted me again. And he says, for you, I will. And what you don't know, Cheryl, is I'm an atheist and I ju you just rocked my world. Boom. A light bulb went out right here. It came on, and it said, Cheryl, you're not supposed to be alive. And I can't tell you it was easy. I went through my storm. You might be going through your storm. You see, when you get going to the next one there, I call them GMC, God-made coincidences. And I'm going to go to the next slide. Are you alert for the Holy Spirit? Do you know that day, if the sun had not been up in 85 degrees, when I sat on Cockburn Island, this middle-aged lady would not be talking to you today. She would have died. I needed an external source to warm me up. I already knew the SON, but God put the sun there. He put a couple from Flint that came by in a yacht 
to pick me up 90 seconds after I prayed and said, Lord, you got to get someone here. I can't do nothing else. I got to Munson. This, this doctor says that to me. And what I forgot to tell you is this. I had nightmares. Obviously, every time I went home, I would make myself stay up 26 hours. Because every time I shut my eyes, I would be in the middle of Lake Huron swimming and reaching out to grab Dwight and reaching out to grab Mark and reaching out to grab Sally. And I never could get them. And I was exhausted. Everybody from all over the United States, radio stations, everything wanted me. Okay? And so let me tell you something. Six weeks later, I was in the bedroom next to my parents. I had praying parents read the book. You'll hear how, how my mom interceded for me at 4.30 in the morning. And she interceded for the wrong one because my middle sister was a prostitute and on drugs at that time in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And what she didn't know is a Canadian Mountie police and Ellen Brock called her and said Cheryl Steele with an E survived about eight hours from the time she prayed and I was 500 miles away. You tell me there's no God. God made coincidences? No. There's none. Romans 8.28 says everything, say it with me, everything works together whether good or bad. Okay, so let me follow this. You want to know the power of God? I'm going to tell you the power of God and I hope you believe me because I am not a liar. That night on a Thursday night, I woke up, tears, sweating. My parents, they had, we had a Christian counselor. They were outside praying. They said, don't wake her up. She'll go into shock. And I looked at that ceiling and I said, God, why didn't you kill me? Why did you not kill me in Lake Huron? Why? I don't want to live like this. I am not going to be afraid. I believe you're the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I believe the Bible. And Lord, please come down right now and give these nightmares away. Lord, take these nightmares away. I can't. I can't live like this. I want to tell you on that Thursday morning, 40 years ago, I did not see anything, but in that small bedroom, I felt the love of God come down and wrap this young lady, and I felt his presence, and I want to tell you something. Since that day, I have never had a nightmare. Since that night, not even in naps, and you tell me there's not a God? There is. You give him a pan. There is a God and he loves you. I'm going to wrap this up. You ready? You see that up there? Be alert. Now, obviously, I had struggles, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. I'd been through and I'm a soul survivor. You have survivor's guilt. Are you trying to keep your head above or are you swimming towards solid ground? Look at that last thing. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. A few squalls can produce a perfect storm in your life. Maybe your squalls are, you got someone at home that has cancer. You had a friend that committed suicide. You have financial needs. You have been physically and sexually abused. And you've got to forgive because those people still live in your head. And you don't know if there's a real God because they allowed that. Let me tell you, young people, there is. 
there is. And you let him not just be up here, but here. And you be real with him. And you tell him, if you're angry at him, I promise you, he made us. I wouldn't swear at God. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But I would let him know. And I want to tell you something. He will meet you. Just like he met me in that little bedroom on a Thursday evening in the summer. I know you guys got to go. So would you stand with me for just a minute? Van, would you just come on? I need to tell you something, Cornerstone University, you do not know how it is an honor and I'm humbled to be here alumni weekend. May God bless you. I want to tell you something. The storms of your life, wave by wave, can only be conquered with God by your side. You can leave him out of the boat or you can put him right beside you. And I promise you, he will be with you all the time. Would you pray with me, please, while the band comes up? And by the way, if you'd like to meet me, um, I have a book out there I can sign. I know a lot of you got to go to class. Tell your professors you're late because of me, okay? I'll come talk to them, all right, okay? All right? Um, but let me just say this. Um, I would love to meet you. I'll be in the student center during lunch. But I want to let you know you're here for a time as this. Find those connections. Reach out if you're having trouble. And please know that the Lord and the goodness of life, the life that you have, what a gift he's given us. Okay? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this October 6th. Thank you for the rain gone. Thank you for every student here. Thank you for alumni. Thank you for these professors. Thank you for everyone's staff in the background of Corner University alumni, this band that pours into these students in your goodness. Lord, surround us. Let us know those GMCs in the next week, in the next month. And Father God, thank you for life. And thank you so much for salvation. In Jesus' name.